Well, when I was in sixth grade, that was the year that my parents and my family moved to the island of Guam for six months out of that year. Guam with its tropical palm trees and coconuts and gorgeous sunsets over the ocean waters. It was a beautiful place to live for a little while. And I remember one Saturday, uh, some friends of ours who we made there on the island, members of the church, invited us snorkeling. So we decided to go snorkeling um, in the ocean there. And my only experience as a sixth grader in snorkeling was snorkeling in the neighborhood swimming pool. And so you put the goggles on, you look in the swimming pool, there's not much to see there. Not very exciting. So I didn't know really what to expect as we went snorkeling on this Saturday afternoon. So we met this family over in Tuman Bay. And we got our lesson in snorkeling and we, we waded and swam out into the ocean water. And I put my head beneath the water and suddenly there was this explosion of color. Right above the water, as I walked out there, I could see the tropical trees and the blues of the water. But when I put my head, my face under that water, unbelievable. This is a picture of Tuman Bay. So this is something of, I didn't take the picture obviously, but something of what I saw. Right? All of a sudden there's this carpet of color below me that you really couldn't see when you were above. Suddenly there's these schools of little fish darting in and out, masquerading as works of art, just brilliant colors everywhere. I even found Nemo before he knew he was lost. Right, the, the, the color of these clownfish that just duck in and out was spectacular. Some of you have probably experienced this if, you, if you've gone snorkeling in a coral reef anywhere. And, and you know, so you, you have your face under the water, this color's everywhere. You, you put your face up above again, and it all disappears. And it's all virtually gone. What's above the surface is so much different than what you see below the surface. Under Tuman Bay, that, that this palette of blue water was a glorious display of color and design. And that memory came to mind as I thought about our passage for today. And I wondered, what would it be like if we could go snorkeling in our own lives or in each other's lives? If we could put on the goggles and look beneath the surface, beneath the, the life that we show each other publicly, and get a glimpse beneath the surface to see what we really look like spiritually on the inside. You know, most of us know how to look in this community. We know how to behave. We know what to display to others so that, so that we can fit in here without making waves. But who are we below the surface, at the core, in our heart and in our soul? What's at the very center of who we are? A glimpse beneath the surface for many of us would reveal just what I saw in Tuman Bay, right? Would reveal the beauty of God's grace blanketing your soul, blanketing your heart, and alive and growing, filling you with beauty, filling your life with color and joy and glory. Look beneath the surface and you'd find this beauty of God within you. For others of us, this glimpse below the surface would reveal maybe a bleached out, dead or dying spiritual life. This also is Tuman Bay, a different area where the coral's been bleached, where it's all dead. You look beneath the surface there, and it's not a pretty sight. 
And some of us maybe would be sobered by what we see below the surface. So this morning I want to invite us all and challenge us as individuals as well to look beneath the surface, to see what lies beneath the surface of your heart and life and to celebrate the beauty that you find there, the beauty that God has infused in you with his grace and maybe commit to coming to life again in, in a new and beautiful way. That's the invitation. That invitation to a new and beautiful life. Is, that invitation is what God gives us through Peter in 1 Peter chapter 1. So take out your Bibles. Turn to that chapter if you would. Page 980 in the Bibles you have in front of you. 1 Peter chapter 1. And before we begin, before we begin this self-exploration... We need to, first of all, admit some truths about ourselves, some foundational truths about who we are so we can understand the scripture passage better. We need to, first of all, recognize that our outward actions, what we show to everybody around us here, our outward actions don't necessarily guarantee an inner spiritual maturity. Because spiritual maturity depends on an inner relationship with Jesus. And some of us, even if we don't have that inner relationship with Jesus... We're really good at making people believe that we do. We're really good at playing spiritual dress up. Because we know, having some of us grown up in the Christian community, we know how to do all the right religious things. We know how to make people around us think that we're spiritually mature. We know all the right answers to all the questions. We know all the right behaviors. And so we put those things on, but inside we don't really have a living, loving relationship with Jesus. Okay, so the outward actions don't guarantee an inner relationship with Jesus. The other side of that coin is that if you do have this passionate inner relationship with Jesus, a love for Jesus at the heart of who you are, then there will naturally be some outward actions that will be evident in your life. They can't help but come out in you and through you. There will be a spiritual authenticity, right? Your outside will begin to match what is inside. What's above the surface will begin to share the same beauty of what's below the surface. Right? And, and one of the first things that, that we will see when we honestly look beneath the surface of our spiritual lives for a healthy spiritual life is that there's a, a passion to keep on growing. A passion to be even more and more beautiful. A passion for that coral reef to, to add more color, to spread and grow and add more beauty. And we'll have that within us too. That we'll want God's grace in us and God's presence in us to keep on expanding. To keep adding beauty to our hearts and to our lives. So at any age, whether young or old, whether a baby or a senior citizen, the growing never stops. In fact, Peter ends his second letter. We don't need to go there right now. But he ends his second letter written to believers like you and me with this challenge. He says, grow in the grace and the knowledge of your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He doesn't say, I'm so glad that you came to know Jesus. Now just hold on to Jesus and wait till he comes again and you're good. <laughs> to all of us, to every believer, he says, okay, I'm so glad that you found and you know Jesus. Now get growing. Now let it come alive in you. Let him come alive in you. Grow in the grace and the knowledge 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's a mature spiritual life. Peter uses here in our chapter the image of a newborn baby to show how God works in each one of us to help us grow up. Right? And he starts with our new birth. Whether you're 8 or 18 or 58 or 88 or 108, it doesn't matter. When Jesus gets a hold of your heart, when you let him in as Lord and leader of your life, you become a spiritual baby again. You become a baby and in verses 3 and 4 of chapter 1, Peter celebrates that new birth. Listen to this. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, and fade. Did you hear that? Into his, in his great mercy, he has given us new birth. This is the moment in the delivery room, Peter says. There, there, there's a new birth here. It's a spiritual birth. And when there's a new birth, it's a time for celebration and excitement and praise. So celebrate, he says. You have been given a brand new birth. Now, Jesus uses the same illustration. Remember when he meets with a Pharisee named Nicodemus? Nicodemus is kind of embarrassed to be seen with Jesus, doesn't want his friends to see him, so he meets under cover of darkness. And he's trying to find out from Jesus, what is this new teaching you? What, what, how does this all work? The salvation that you're preaching. Remember what Jesus says to him? He says, Nicodemus, if you want to be saved, you need to be born again. You need to be a baby again. And Nicodemus doesn't get it. How in the world, he asks, can a person be born again? He's thinking physically born again. That's not what Jesus is thinking. For born again, what he's trying to tell Nicodemus is, is, Nicodemus, you and all your friends are so busy caring about the outward appearance, all the, the things that you're supposed to do, but you, but you haven't been reborn on the inside. All the things you do that you think make you right with God, that's not what matters. What matters is your relationship with me, is a love with, for me, is being born again in you. That's spiritual maturity. That's salvation. Matching your inside to your outside. So all those good things you do arise out of a love relationship with me. So, as children of God, Yes, you and I should celebrate that moment of our new birth that Peter writes about here. We should celebrate that moment in our lives, that process in our lives, when God got a hold of our hearts and souls and we knew him to be not just God out there somewhere, but God right here in me. Right? For some of us, that was a process that happened years and years. Ever since you were a child, you were taught about Jesus. And, and at some point you said, yes. For some of you, that was a, a stunning moment when God got a hold of you and you can identify that time and place. Celebrate those moments. Celebrate that time. Celebrate the professions of faith that we experienced here last Sunday. What a great moment when God gives us that new birth. But don't stop there, is Peter's warning. Too many of us have celebrated our first birthday again and again and again and again 
and again. We're still spiritual babies. We're still one year old. Right? Being born again, having this inner passion and love for Jesus in our hearts and our lives must set us on a path to now grow up. Right? In, in verses 4 through 12, Peter talks more about this new birth that we've been given. I'm not going to read it for you now. I encourage you maybe for your devotions today, read this whole chapter. Read that section for yourself. I want us to get to verse 13. Because verse 13, after telling us about this new birth that we've been given, we, we come to the word therefore. In other words, so what? That's what therefore means. So what? So you've been born again. So what? Well, listen to the so what. Therefore. With minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Okay, so, so you've been born again. So Jesus has come into your heart and your life. So what? So you've been given the grace of God. Now, he says, grow up. Now start maturing. Don't stay a little baby anymore, but grow up to be a spiritual child, and then a, a spiritual teenager, and then a spiritual young adult, and then a spiritual adult. Peter calls us in verse 14. He doesn't say just as children of God, but he says as obedient children. Obedient children. In other words, let your lives be changed. Let your outside, your outside actions match the maturity that's growing on the inside. Let obedience grow out of a love for Jesus Christ. In other words, every single one of us, Peter says, needs to look inside our hearts and lives. Put on your snorkel goggles. Look inside and see if your inside is matching your outside. And if your outside is matching your inside. Basically what we're saying, we need to look at ourselves and uncover this and see if we are truly being authentic. Do our insides and outsides match? And some of us are going to look inside our own hearts and we're going to see that we're not authentic. We're in here, we're in this community, and we, we show everybody that we're spiritually mature, that we've got this core of Jesus at the heart of all we say and what we do. And we're going to look inside our heart and soul and we're going to find a spiritual baby there. We're spiritual infants because we've never grown up. We've just accepted the grace of God and said, good enough, I'm just going to sit here and wait now for Jesus to come back again. We're spiritual babies. We keep celebrating our one-year birthday again and again and again and again. Some of us are going are gonna to look inside our hearts and souls and our spiritual life. We're going to see that we're, we're, we're toddlers, elementary school kids. There's so much to know and there's so little that we know. And we're satisfied with that. Some of us are going to find ourselves being spiritual teenagers we're at a time in our spiritual life where we're asking questions, where we're trying to discern what's ours and, and what we believe and what we hold on to. And maybe some of us have been stuck in that spiritual teenage 
place for years and years and years. And we're never moving up. We're not growing up. And I know that still others of us are going to look below the surface and we're going to see the beauty of God's grace growing in us. We're going to see the color of God's salvation exploding inside of us because we're spiritual adults. Wherever we are, whatever you see inside of you, none of us can stop growing. When you stop growing, you start dying. In fact, one Christian author wrote it this way. He said, the Christian life is like a bicycle. Unless you keep moving, you'll fall off. Unless you keep moving, you're going to fall off. Unless you keep growing, you're shrinking. Unless you keep on striving to love Jesus and to, and to let his grace grow in you more and more, unless you do that, you'll be loving him less and experiencing less and less of his grace. So the call here goes out clearly to each one of us, to all of us who wish to strive towards spiritual maturity. The call is to keep on growing up. Don't get spiritually stagnant. Don't stop growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Make sure that beneath the outside image of spiritual maturity that we show each other is an inner maturity with God. A relationship with God the Father, with Jesus the Son, with the Holy Spirit. You know, the blessing in that challenge the blessing in that challenge is that we never have to do this alone. Right, just like little babies, right? Little babies are born, and that's not the end. Right? If you give birth to a child, you don't say, there, I'm done. Good luck, kid. Hope you make it. And walk away. That's foolish. That's, that's abuse, right? That's abandonment. And God doesn't do that to us either as spiritual children. When we are born spiritually, he places us in community in a family, a church family. And just like parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and siblings are there for that child to make sure that child grows healthy physically, so we as a church family are here for each other. We surround each other to make sure that we're growing healthy spiritually. It's what we're supposed to do. We exist to help each other grow up, to become spiritually mature. And Peter... Peter tells us what spiritual maturity looks like. You want to know what it looks like? We just read it, verses 15 and 16. He says, just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Okay, so he ties spiritual maturity to holiness. Be holy, right? So often holiness is this nebulous spiritual concept that we don't really understand very well. What exactly is it? How do you define holiness? Most often, if you're like me, you, you just assume holiness is being really, really good. Right? It's a behavior. It's being perfect, in fact. Being holy is being perfect. And only God can be perfect, right? So most often for me, at least, maybe for many of you, holiness is a source of frustration, because I keep failing. I keep not being really, really good. I keep not being perfect. Well, I, I think that understanding of holiness isn't very helpful for us here 
in Paul's call for us to be holy. It's more frustrating than anything. But I think we can understand one important nuance of holiness from some obscure Old Testament commands that you find in the book of Leviticus. My guess is if you've ever read through the book of Leviticus, which is extremely difficult to do, by the way, you come to chapter 19 and you've read some of these lists of commands in chapter 19 and thought, what in the world is he talking about? In the middle of that chapter, there's, there's a couple of verses that, that give a list. And here's the list. He says, don't, don't mate two different kinds of animals together. And don't plant your fields with two different kinds of seed. And don't wear clothing with two different kinds of materials. Strange commands that you aren't following. Anybody who's wearing a mix of your clothes today, you're not following that command. Anybody who's got a, uh, a pet that's not purebred, you're not following that command. What, what's the point? What's the point behind those strange commands? The point behind those cultural commands is purity. In each of these circumstances, the original parts, the original parts lose their identity when they get mixed together. It's putting together two things that, that don't match. So, holiness for you and for me does not depend on us wearing only cotton shirts. Does not depend on your pet being purebred. But holiness for you and for me as New Testament believers depends on our outside actions matching our inside spiritual life. It demands that kind of spiritual purity, inside matching the outside. Spiritual pure qualities. So we don't mix together things that shouldn't be mixed. What does that look like? We don't mix an inside love for Jesus Christ and an outside life of worldliness and selfishness and greed because those things don't go together. We don't mix a Sunday receiving God's grace and humility and then a Monday and the rest of the week living out gracelessness to our classmates and our co-workers and our family members because that kind of hypocrisy doesn't mix. Those two things shouldn't mix. We don't mix together words that we speak, words of, of commitment to pursuing the kingdom of God, and then turn around and speak to the people around us lies and words that, that are racist and sexist and selfish and belittling and demeaning of others, because those two things don't mix. We don't mix in our lives, inside and out, the things that shouldn't be mixed Holiness for you and for me is greater authenticity. It's God's grace beautifully coming alive within you and then outside of you. It's beauty within producing beauty without. And we need to know that that kind of holiness is not a state, it's a process. Right? Will you and I ever be perfectly holy on this side of heaven? No. Nope. By God's grace, by God's grace and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, yes, we are forgiven, but our sin nature is going to keep rearing its ugly head, right? It's going to keep trying to bleach the beauty out of the 
the, the carpet of grace that God is growing inside of us. That sin's going to keep trying to break us and to kill us. But the life-giving power of God's grace and forgiveness will keep bringing wholeness and life where there is brokenness and death. He will keep using this community to restore beauty where sin has destroyed. So the opportunities for spiritual maturity, for greater holiness, matching inside and out, are all around us. They're right here. But you and I will not grow in holiness unless we choose to put ourselves in places where we will grow up. These opportunities, these invitations to grow spiritually mature must be accepted and taken. And so some of you, when you look inside your heart and so when you look beneath the surface and see your heart and compare that to your actions, you see yourself taking advantage of opportunities for spiritual growth all around you. Right, you're, you're learning in a life group or a Bible study or in youth group or you're serving this community as you, you take care of the kids in the nursery or you serve in worship or you give generously or, or you're serving in the community around you as Jesus calls us to do. Maybe you're serving dinner at Degage on a Sunday evening or maybe you're loving our families as family promise when they're here. Or you're taking up the invitation that God gives you to, to open up his word and talk about it together. Or you're praying together. Maybe you're, you're reaching out, caring for somebody maybe across a border or across the street. Others of you listen to that list right now. And you glance inside your own heart and soul. And you realize that you're letting all those opportunities slip on fast. You stopped growing. You stopped growing in holiness. Your outside really isn't matching your inside anymore. So Peter gives every single one of us here the invitation. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If we have a passionate love for Jesus on the inside, it will show on the outside. So he says, be holy, be authentic. Let the beauty of Jesus' saving grace that has transformed you on the inside show in beautiful grace-filled words that you speak and grace-filled lives that you live, grace-filled choices that you make. Let it show. Let the love of Jesus in you show in the love of Jesus that you live. Let Jesus move you towards spiritual maturity to make you beautiful inside and out. Let's pray for that. Do you pray with me? Father God, we came here this morning dressed up, looking nice, smiles on our faces. Letting everybody see on the outside what we like to see as spiritual maturity. And yet we know our insides. We know the places where 
we're just playing spiritual dress up. We're playing the game. We're going through the routine. We're speaking the right words. We're showing the right actions. And it's so much more comfortable for us to keep our eyes looking above the surface. But the beauty lies beneath. And so please, Father, give us the courage to look beneath the surface and to do the hard work of examining our hearts and souls and minds. And as we look beneath the surface, thank you for the glimpse that you give us of carpets of grace in our lives, of the vibrant color of your love for us. And give us the courage then to look over at the areas in our lives that are bleached out and dying. And Father, transform us. Grow us. May our insides and outsides begin to match as we live for you. As we love you. As we experience your grace and then begin to give your grace inside and out. Thank you, Father, and Jesus, that you know us better than we know ourselves. You know the, the beauty and the ugliness inside. And you still love us and always will. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.